Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, July 25th, 2021. Let's begin our time together with a reading from John's Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to eat a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and started across the lake to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The lake became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the lake and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were rowing. The Gospel of Christ May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, hi there, everybody. I'd like to begin with a question today. Have you read any good books lately? Maybe you've watched a good movie or a TV series. Whether in print or in film, I must admit that I have a penchant for series. In high school, I read a series of Cold War spy novels by a British author named Len Dayton. But long before that, I fell in love with the science fiction series Star Trek. Since I was a boy, I would follow the exploits of Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and the rest of the crew of the Enterprise. Over time, the franchise released more and more sequels to TV. Then, of course, there were the big-screen adaptations. What fascinated me about the series is that each episode was a self-contained, standalone adventure. 
But the more I watched, the more I began to understand some of the characters in the backstory. Understanding the backstory helped me have a deeper appreciation for the individual episodes. Somehow, it added texture to the individual episodes. And that was even more so when I went on to watch the other series in the franchise. Knowing the history helped me appreciate the characters and the overarching story. That's not only true for the Star Trek franchise, but we also see that in our gospel reading for today. John opens the scene by painting us a bit of a picture. We have a teacher and his students, a crowd, a mountain, a religious holiday, and even a stormy sea. John weaves these pieces together into a story which had elements that would have been very familiar to his readers, particularly in ancient times. We see that a large crowd of about 5,000 people had amassed and had begun following Jesus. Jesus climbed a mountain with his disciples and then sat down in a large, open, grassy area. Jesus looked up and realized that the crowd had followed him. I can almost imagine Jesus, with a twinkle in his eye, asking the disciples how they were going to feed all those people. Philip responded that they didn't have enough food, nor did they have enough money to buy the food. This is when the miracle happens. Peter's brother Andrew brings forward a young boy who has a few small loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Compared to the size of the crowd, it's not much, but it's what they had. Jesus prays and then begins handing out the food. When he's done, he tells the disciples to gather up the leftovers so that they don't go to waste. Once gathered, they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. John tells us that Jesus realized the crowd had political aspirations for him, so he withdrew even farther. The disciples went down the mountain, got into a boat, and headed for Capernaum. While in transit, the water became rough due to a storm. Jesus calmed their fears by walking across the water and joining them in the boat. This is where knowing the backstory comes in handy. The book of 2 Kings, found in the Hebrew Scriptures, tells the story of one of Israel's most famous prophets, a man named Elisha. He fed a hundred people with twenty loaves and some corn. One of Elisha's servants even questioned how they would ever feed so many people with so little food. Driving the similarity home, John's Gospel records Andrew asking Jesus, what are these few loaves and fish among so many people? It's no wonder that people made a connection between Jesus and Elisha. John's early audience would have had this story about Elisha at the forefront of their mind as they read about Jesus going along, person by person, distributing food. John's telling of the story also makes a strong connection between Jesus and Moses. First of all, John tells us that this story occurred at the time of the Passover. Through Moses, God gave Israel instructions to celebrate that first Passover with a meal. John's Gospel tells us that Passover was near and Jesus performed a miracle to feed hungry people. Both Jesus and Moses also had mountaintop experiences. 
Moses encountered God on Mount Sinai. Jesus climbed a mountain and taught others how they could encounter God as well. Following God's command, Moses parted the Red Sea and led the Israelites to safety. Jesus walked across the water, got into the boat with the disciples, and led them safely to shore. We begin to understand that John told his stories about Jesus in such a way so as to make a connection between Jesus and familiar heroes of the Jewish faith. This helps us understand a couple of important things. First of all, we see that there is a very real sense in which Jesus was building on the foundation laid in previous generations. John's Gospel describes Jesus stepping into a role similar to that of those who had gone before. God worked through the lives of people like Moses and Elisha, reaching out to the people of Israel, calling them deeper into relationship. We begin to see that God has a long history of speaking through faithful people. Put another way, faithful people are the vehicle through which God seeks to communicate with humanity. Faithful people like Moses, Elisha, and even you and I can become the hands, the feet, the mouths, the entire lives through which God speaks into the lives of other people. Now, it's one thing to say that God speaks through people like Moses, Elisha, and even through Jesus. But that's not where the story ends. The second thing that we can take away from this text is the message that is being communicated. It's one thing to say that God speaks to the world through human beings. It's something else to know what the message being spoken is. What is it exactly that God is trying to say to us and through us? Through Moses' leadership, the people of Israel were led out of slavery and oppression into freedom and liberty. Centuries later, Elisha led the people of Israel as a prophet and as a miracle worker. Elisha's miracles cured the sick, fed the hungry, and even raised the dead. John's Gospel describes Jesus as the perfection of the work seen through the lives of people like Moses and Elisha. New Testament scholar Professor Susan Hyland described Jesus' work this way, The life Jesus brings is a life shaped by the ideas of the Exodus and Elisha stories. Just as God provided abundantly for Israel in a time of dire circumstances, so Jesus brings a similar kind of life in the midst of human need. Just as God brought Israel out of slavery into freedom, so Jesus also facilitates a similar transformation. Just as Elisha was known for his many miracles of provision and raising from the dead, so Jesus stands in the line of these prophets. The good news is that Jesus' life-giving work continues on in our present day. This life-giving work continues through the presence of God's Spirit in our lives. In his letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul contrasted the work of our natural desires to the evidence of God's Spirit working in our lives. Paul described the two as working in opposition to each other. On one hand, he described what he called the works of the flesh, things like jealousy, anger, quarrelsomeness, and dissension. 
These are the kinds of things that bring division, despair, and death. On the other hand, Paul also described the work of God's Spirit in our lives. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the kinds of things that bring growth, healing, and restoration, not only in ourselves, but in our relationships, and they empower us to speak wholeness into the lives of other people. It is through the latter, what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit, that we are able to give expression to God's work in our lives today. Let's pray. In your compassionate love, O God, you nourish us with words of life and bread of blessing. Grant that Jesus may calm our fears and move our hearts to praise your goodness by sharing our bread with others. Amen. Amen.